Welcome to Dig It. This is the speaker. Welcome to the one year anniversary. Yay! Yay! <laughs> who, who knew that we would ever make it to one year? It's awesome. Crazy. I, I'm here like usual with my two lovely ladies, the sharp agent Corey Lynn of Corey's Digs. How you guys doing? I'm fired up. Fired I'm up. Ready to ready to rock and roll. I'm just taking. This is going to be a good podcast. This is going to be all about patriots and good stuff and. Yeah, because because we I think everyone could use just you know a little boost right now. Well, I I just got up. I have no idea what we're talking about, so I'm just gonna wing it. It's one year <laughs> anniversary wing. The speak is just on the. Oh, it's gonna be great. <laughs> it's gonna be great. <laughs> Lead us in, Edge. All right. Well, we wanted to do something special for this show because this is, after all, our 52nd episode of Dig It, and. It's hard to believe that it's been a year, but I couldn't imagine fighting this fight over the last year alongside better people. You guys, Corey oh, Speaker, yeah. all of our loyal listeners. <laughs> I was going to say, who, who, who are they? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's why we're dedicating this podcast to all the patriots who are fighting this battle for freedom. And that's why we were focusing this podcast today on patriots and fighting back. And perhaps one person doesn't, there's not one person that embodies that spirit of patriots having that resolve to triumph over adversity than General Flynn, who is the big story this week. So we're going to talk about Flynn. We're going to talk about digital soldiers out there who are doing their part to combat the mainstream news lies and all the patriots out there who are unafraid to stand against tyranny and fear-mongering, going to Trump rallies, speaking out. And finally, we're going to talk about, well, also we're going to talk about Corey's article, which gets into that, combating the mainstream news lies. But we're also going to talk about our journey at Dig It and, you know, just the course of this year, you know, all the adversity that we've overcome, but not just surviving, but thriving through it all and becoming really great friends with each other and with all of you guys, our loyal listeners. You guys ready to get into it? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Let's start with Flynn because that is the huge news this week. We now have handwritten notes from Mr. Peter Strzok, believed to be taken between January 3rd and January 5th. That's the same time frame as that White House meeting Susan Rice documented in that email to herself. Remember that? Oh, yeah. So they were discussing the setup of Flynn. Now, the FBI wanted to shut that case down because they really didn't have any information on Flynn working with the Russians to justify continuing it. In that White House meeting with Obama, Biden, Comey, Sally Yates, and Susan Rice, they talked about the Flynn-Kislyak calls, and it was Obama himself, according to Strzok's notes, it was Obama himself who ordered that they, quote, that they use the right people to investigate Flynn. Meanwhile, mm -hmm. Comey admits to everyone in the room that Flynn's calls with Kislyak are, quote, they appear legit. So the FBI admitted they had nothing on Flynn. They wanted to drop the case on him and straight from Obama himself were ordered to investigate him 
anyways using the right people, you know, wink, wink. And right. the F and the FBI followed Obama's orders based on that. And not only that, but based on Peter Strzok's own notes, it was Biden himself who brought up charging Flynn with the Logan Act. It was Biden's idea to use the Logan Act. This has never been prosecuted successfully in American history. If it had been, believe me, John Kerry would be guilty of it. Yeah, right? Yeah, because he's everywhere. Yeah. But, but it, it was Biden. But Biden just re wasn't it pretty recent. He just claimed he had nothing to do with the Flynn case. Doesn't know anything about it. Yep, exactly. But it was Biden Biden's idea to charge Flynn with this three-star general, national security advisor to this incoming president, who they knew they had nothing on, and the FBI wanted to drop the case. But Obama's orders were, "Nah, let's continue the investigation using our guys." And Biden chimes in with a, "Hey, why don't we just go ahead and use the Logan Act?" Mm -hmm. This is let's see how many ways we can try to frame them. Yep, this is the most seditious treasonous shit in a mo modern American history. <laughs> oh, yeah. And we have the smoking gun, Peter Strzok's notes that prove it was Obama and Biden who orchestrated it. And funny side note, which Corey and I have were laughing about this week, this will give you guys an idea of what a hack Biden is. <laughs> so undercover <laughs> Hoover put this thread out on Twitter that Flynn's attorney, Sidney Powell, had retweeted saying that it was on point. Okay, so but this thread on Twitter that he posted points to similarities between the idea of charging Flynn with the Logan Act and I kid you not with an episode on the TV show of West Wing. <laughs> Which he's apparently done before, too. <laughs> yes. So we're the same deals from Obama and Obama's deals from the West Wing. <laughs> exactly. So it's the same scenario playing out during this transition of administrations on, on this West Wing episode. Did that bullshitter Biden actually steal the idea from a freaking TV show? Probably. Wow. <laughs> I put nothing past these people. I mean, after all, we are watching quite a show. Yeah, exactly. So Biden, as you had mentioned, Corey, he's been caught red-handed, and we have him on tape in this interview with George Stephanopoulos saying, quote, I know nothing about those moves to investigate Michael Flynn. Are you kidding me? Right. Anyway. So <laughs> the great news this week is that the appeals court ordered that Judge Sullivan must immediately dismiss the case against Flynn. It was a huge win for Flynn. It was a yes. huge, huge win for, for Patriots. Yes. Huge win for law and order. When asked by Rush Limbaugh about this order and if the fight was over, Flynn, who had called into the Rush Limbaugh show this week, Flynn had some interesting things to say. He expects this fight to continue, but he described it as marking this entry into a new phase. And he calls on all of us as patriots to do our part. So I just wanted to roll that, that clip of that call with Rush Limbaugh, if we could. Uh, General Flynn, thank you so much. I can't I, – I'm still a little stunned here that – that it's uh, that, I'm, that I'm talking to you. Have you signed anything? Is this really over, or is it just we just assume it's going to be? No, it's, yeah. I mean, it's it's not it's not over, and it 
some of your listeners have been talking about it today. You know, it, it never ends. You know, the struggle for this country will right. never end. It, you know, you know this, Rush. You know this. And this is a, you know, we're, we're a country that's an experiment based on some great ideas from some, some terrific, you know, founding, you know, citizens of our country. So it, it's never over. I do not expect it to be over. Uh, you know, this is another, this is a phase that has ended. And we will go into another phase, but uh, you know I'm I'm from uh, I'm from good Irish stock, you know. So uh, my family has uh, has really stuck stuck with us and uh, behind us, and I think a, a lot of Americans have seen that. And uh, and then people like yourselves, leaders like yourselves, have stepped up to the plate to to, to guide the American people through what has happened. What has happened? So. Now, there'll be more to say uh, in the future, but I just mainly wanted to say to you, thank you so much for all that you have done for my family and, and, uh, and frankly, for our country. So there you have it. Freedom isn't free. We have to keep fighting for it, guys. Americans... Freedom isn't free. That's right. <laughs> every American, every American counts right now. Every vote counts. This next election is their last stand. And if America falls, so does freedom around the world. I've always said that, you know, America is a beacon of light to the rest of the West anyway. And that if America falls, most of the West will fall with it. Hence why I'm here. So I wouldn't have joined this fight if I didn't think it was a worthwhile thing to fight for. Yeah, I think a lot of us feel that way. And we've been called as these sort of digital sh soldiers by Flynn. And I think he's actually calling on us to, you know, to join the fight and combat the mainstream news lies and fight for truth. And that's what he's kind of referring to is that, you know, this isn't the end. We have to keep fighting. Freedom isn't free. You know, with that, I think it's a good time to bring up your article, Corey, about fake news tactics, because that is what we're fighting up against. And so I want to just hand it over to you, Corey, let you talk about that a little bit, because we do really need to battle this fake news. Oh, absolutely. And before I get into that, I just want to say, I'm sure you guys saw it. Did you see the video of the woman in uh, Florida who was speaking um, at a, it was a, what was it? It was a county commissioner's workshop. So she was there and she was just unleashing about the mandated masks and she brought in 5G and Bill Gates and the Clintons and the pedophiles and everything. And she just unleashed on them. It was great. That must have felt so good. <laughs> I saw but, that. Yeah. Yeah. So so one thing I want to say is, do you guys remember, it was a couple weeks, a few weeks back maybe, when the Illinois governor, Pritzker, was going to put through an EO that would have fined and arrested uh, business owners who dared to open their businesses before the timeline he gave them. And everyone, there was like a committee of 12 that um, could try to oppose it. So one of them was going to that next morning when he was going to put this through. And in 24 hours, over 20,000 people flooded them all with emails. And guess what? Pritzker ended up retracting that. There was no way he could have gone through with it at that point. Boom. So, yeah. And so the reason I bring this up is, you know, then you look at 
the beaches. I want to say it was in Virginia, and there was one one area in California where everyone took a stand and flooded the beaches and said, uh-uh-uh, and they finally had to reverse it and say, okay, we're going to allow the beaches to open. So <clears throat> my point is, right now, with these mandatory masks amping up again and getting out of control, which we've all seen the studies on, and we are all well aware that they do not protect us and, in fact, could cause harm to us, People need to be emailing and calling their governors and their elected officials and and demanding that they stop this, you know, immediately and, you know, say whatever you want. If you I understand people are going to say, oh, boy, I'm in a blue state. Nothing can be done. Well, guess what? Dude, Pritzker is like the deepest mafia deep state you can get. So don't say it can't happen. And same with Virginia and California. Everyone has to try. You know, we're talking five minutes, maybe 10 minutes if you send, you know, more than one or two emails. But if you get the masses to do it, they cannot ignore that. So it's important that people start taking the initiative to do that. If you can spend hours on social media, you can take five or 10 minutes to do that. Yeah, so it's all about patriots fighting back, you know, calling your representatives and making a noise. Absolutely. Get into your article. So, yeah, so, okay, so I put together 10 fake news tactics. Now, there's going to be people out there that are familiar with some of these. Some people may be familiar with all of them, but I can guarantee you there are a lot of people that don't see through a lot of these tactics. So... So I'll just like whiz through these really quickly. So one of the ones that annoys the heck out of me is they do this a lot with data. They'll take, um, like CNN's famous for this, okay? They'll take and they'll throw out really large numbers to scare you and intimidate you, you know, like this many people are sick or this many people have died. But then what they'll do is, you know how in studies they'll always break down various statistic groups like by ethnicity or by age or by comorbidity or different things like that. So they'll take one of the groups that has a high percentage where, so for example, they're going to throw out all these high numbers. We'll just stick with the virus. So they're going to throw out all these high numbers, but they're not going to tell you, they're not going to give you that percentage that only a half of 1%. And that number is probably decreasing as more people get tested. Okay, so then what they'll do is they'll take, because that's a small percentage and they don't want you to know that, and they know that most people aren't going to take the time to do the math. They're just going to be staring at these large numbers. So then they'll take a section within that, you know, and they'll break down like the amount of people who actually went into the hospital over the virus and they'll give you the 5% death rate of that because, oh, that's much higher than telling you a half a percentage, you see? So they do this all the time with data points. Another example of this, back when we had the big measles um, scam going on, and they, from the CDC to the WHO to every media source out there, they kept hammering it into people that um, in 2017, there are 110,000 people died from the measles. Now, at no point do any of them say in the U.S. 
And we're talking about the whole article is very specific to the U.S. and what's happening here and how they saw a little cluster and a little outbreak. And now we're calling it an epidemic. And they also refer to, okay, so, but that was a world number. We haven't seen a measles death in years. In fact, there's only been four in this country dating back a few decades. So it's crazy. This is how they manipulate people's minds. Okay, another one are the emotionally driven articles that are meant to fuel anger, hate, or fear. And these are typically, yeah, these ones, these, they do this one all the time. They're typically backed with a bunch of false or exaggerated statistics, and they're like piped full of bought off scientific research. Or it'll be like a personal story from some paid actor. So they do that one all the time. The other one is our sources say, which, you know, doesn't hold water anymore. That that used to hold water. <laughs> there was a day when everyone was like, oh, they have an inside source. Now you see that. And unless it's someone you thoroughly trust, you've been following for a long time, and you know that in the rare occasions they say that they have a source, that that is likely the case. So, so I, I just, I can't even, you know... I take that with a complete grain of salt when I hear our sources say in most media circles. Uh, our sources in the newsroom. Yeah, right. <laughs> in the or mail the room or around the corner. Our mm, deep state yeah. CIA inside agents <laughs> 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 feeding us disinfo straight from within the uh, White House. We have a whistleblower. Right. <laughs> oh, my God. And the, the fact-checking websites, okay? Everyone just needs to stop going to those because those are wrong about 80% of the time. You know, Snopes and uh, there's a handful of them out there that were all created with the purposes of trying to control the narrative. So those are some of the most manipulative sites out there. Then we have the drop retraction and the extraction. So the drop retraction, you guys, God, how many times have we seen this? where they drop some instant clickbait that goes totally viral, some outlandish thing that they know everyone's going to, you know, sink their teeth into. And in hours, it's hit hundreds of thousands of people. And then they retract it by doing some little tweet. You know, they never take it down. They never remove it. Or they don't really remove the article. They'll just do some tiny little thing. Oh, we were incorrect there. I mean, we've we've seen this. So think of the one. A good example of that is the kids in the cages during Obama's time. Still to this day, Trump gets hammered for this and those pictures when it happened during Obama's time. Yep, it happens all the time where it's huge headline news and then they print tiny retractions that no one ever sees. It's because yeah. they've become gossip magazines. They haven't become, uh, they don't have any journalistic integrity anymore. And I think anyone with a brain can see that. It's become a tabloid magazine that you buy at a service station. It's yeah. become a political arm. It's become uh, the, the propaganda arm for the DNC and for for a p- certain political viewpoints and for the deep state. It's, and they don't even hide it anymore. 
There's no objectivity whatsoever. There's no fact checking. There's no investigative reporting. Do you remember when when journalists actually used to do right. the investigating? Right. Now boots on the ground and everything. I don't think they leave their offices at all. Mm. The I mean, only one that does that, I can say, our independent, um, more conservative side, right wing sides. Right. So, right. Like like James O'Keefe or Avi from Australia. Yeah, I mean, but we're talking about, you know, your mainstream, your national news, um, news sources, CNN, MSNBC, ABC, you know, CBS, even Fox News. So, I mean, you could take this whole, um, the the Jesse Smollett 2.0, you know, Bubba <laughs> story. That's a good example. That's a good yep. example. They just immediately ran with it because it met the narrative and it just yep. blasted everywhere. And, Not just um, ran with it. Half the times they're the creators of it. They manufacture this crap. Right. And there's no investigating into it, except for some, like you had mentioned, a uh, speaker, some smaller um, independent outlets that are actually doing the investigating. And that, there were some of them that actually came up with this. They're like, no, this looks like a hoax. This looks like, um, you know, the pulleys for, for garage door for garages. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, th there wasn't any credibility given to them until it actually came out. Oh, yep. Guess what? They were right. They actually did the legwork and fact-checked, and they were like, no, oh, we, this doesn't hold water. We all called it. We all called it. You can see this shit now. It, it, anyone that's being pay, like paying attention that is, isn't driven by strictly emotion can see this shit, can break it down. As soon as it came out, every everyone that I know anyway went, come on. We know right. this is bullshit. Right. They're, they're just they're feeding this... Um, emotions. Race. They're feeding emotions. They're feeding this race, this race war, because there's big news for them at the moment, and they want it to happen, right? right. And then you have opportunists such as Baba, such as Jesse, right, that are, are going to use this to promulgate their own career. Right. And the good thing is, we have more and more people calling this stuff out and spotting it, and the media is starting to feel it big time. Which I'll get to that in a minute, but. Another one is the what I call the extraction. So they'll take they'll take either a lengthy document or you know a video interview or conference or something, and they'll extract like <clears throat> one sentence or ten seconds from it, and they will you know so taking it totally out of context, and they put it out there again emotionally driven, and it goes viral. And everyone's believing this one sentence, oh my God, but they don't bother to take the time to go to that source. And they know this, they know people aren't going to take the time because they're feeding their emotions. So, so if you have someone who has disdain for Trump and you put out one sentence that came out of Trump's mouth and you quote him, but you, those people are just going to be like, wow, what an ass. And they're not even going to bother to go to that source and, and look up the, the three minutes that he actually talked about it, where they took it out of context and it was the exact opposite of what he was saying. So they, they take, do this they take everything time. out of context to use it as a weapon. I know. 
It's Absolutely. And, and this is not necessarily a quote, but this is definitely an example of taking things out of context. When they were reporting on the Trump rally and the turnout, there was no mention of the real reasons why. It was just like, oh, the Trump rally has fizzled out, you know, and there wasn't nearly as much turnout as they had expected. But the, the real the real reason why, if you want to get into it, you know, explains a lot, and it has nothing to do with the 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 you know the excitement for you know the the this campaign. It has everything to do with the opposition and with uh, the, you know various right. things that had happened. Right. But right. they, they they don't they don't really mention that in the reports. It's just oh the Trump rallies are fizzling out. There's just no you know there's and not as much post photos before everyone's even in there to make it look like there's less people. They've done that time and time again. It's <laughs> they terrible. did that at the inauguration. They did that at these presidents. Yep, yep. Mm. The fact that they have to do that is very telling. Mm. <laughs> so I only have got three left on this one. So so another one they do is they'll stick with the same story, even though it's been completely debunked. And that could go on for months or years. And what they do is they just keep recycling it and recycle. So if they'll let it go dormant once it takes enough heat, and then they figure out, ah, people forget, a lot of people never saw this, let's recycle this up now. Russian even though aid. it's been debunked. Hmm, What's gaslighting. That? Yeah, Rush, oh, yeah. Gaslighting, Russiagate, Russiagate. That's, I mean, we've lived it for four years. Yep. You know, recycling the same damn lie for four years. Yep. Yep. It's exhausting. Another one, and this is my all-time, all-time pet peeve, is the misleading headlines, the clickbaits. So I say clickbait, but most they know most people aren't going to bother to click on it to read the story. So here's like a perfect example. CBS ran a headline. A white bar owner in Omaha shot and killed a black protester. He won't face charges. That's the headline. <laughs> so people immediately are just charged and pissed and what the hell. But if you click on the story, you see is a man battling against another man in self-defense. And he was not charged. And they even have it on video. So they have to make this about race and make it seem like he's not going to be charged because he's white privilege. It's, it's, this, it's disgusting. This is what they do. So, uh, and you know what? I see this on all sides with the headlines. I have seen some people do this on the right side as well, where they will blast out a headline that really is misleading when you read the full story. It just, it, it irks me. Okay, then we have what I call the two-sided dagger. So, Ooh, good name. This is, <laughs> this is when they write, from a place of concern about a group of people or a person or a situation only later to stab them in the back for whatever political agenda they are taking part of at that point in time. Or alternatively, they write in a certain tone about a situation or event while writing in a completely different tone about an almost identical situation or event. In either case, it's this like two-sided dagger becomes a great side-by-side -side visual for evidence. But the problem is the damage has already been done. So, and we have tons of examples, like what's what's been going on with the whole Black Lives Matter with uh, around the virus, where they say, you know, the minorities um, 
in, including African-Americans, are more susceptible to the virus. They seem to, you know, their percentage seems to be quite high in relation to their population here. And so they show all this concern, you know, and they use that for their whole political agenda as though they're so concerned. But then as soon as they want to flip the switch and they want everyone out there protesting for Black Lives Matter, suddenly they're not concerned about them getting sick or getting this virus. And now we have over in, in a county in Oregon saying that, that people that are non-white don't have to wear masks. They're making masks mandatory, but if you are non-white, you do not have to wear a mask because of racial, you know, if you have racial concerns or discrimination. What? So you want to protect these people, you're worried about them, you want to send them out on your political agenda, you're not worried about them, and now you're going to use race for masks? Does any of this add up? I mean, how they don't see that they are being used is beyond me. Well, some do, and I think a lot of them are starting to wake up to it. And oh, yeah. Black, black, yeah. black conservatives have a big part to play in that. Well, and, and you know what? White people are jumping on this Black Lives Matter. A lot of young, you know, college students. Socialists. Yes, and they don't know any better, and they think they're fighting for a cause, or, you know, who knows what the heck is going on in those minds, but... It's uh, a lot of people are waking up to this. And there was a recent um, Gallup study done where the media ranked dead last in public trust. And when we say dead last, we are talking, this is, they ranked lower than Dr. Fauci, government health agencies, Congress, uh, President Trump. <laughs> I mean, Andrew Cuomo, I mean, we're talking the news media is all the way at the bottom under these people. Now, this particular study was taken near the beginning stages of the coronavirus shutdown. And just an interesting little factoid here out of this article. So to give you context, when we were polling in the time of President Nixon's impeachment, seven in 10 Americans said they had confidence in the honesty of the media they had access to in the United States. Today, only four in 10 Americans say the same. So there's been a general decline. That decline is most pronounced among Republicans. So as of now, 41% of independents approve of the job that media has done in the COVID crisis, which is exactly the national average. 68% of Democrats share that view, and only 16% of Republicans share that view. So overall, they are literally ranked at the bottom, the news media. I mean, under everyone I just mentioned, including hospitals. And the state government. I mean, it's, it's, and Como. I mean, <laughs> my God. So, so they should. So patriots are crushing this, right? We're, we yes. are absolutely calling them out on all of the hypocrisy. I just did that huge report a week ago, that 111 page pictorial showing a lot of side by sides and all the hypocrisy. And, uh, People are waking up to this. You know what? People are waking up to this on all sides. 
true. I think that that is a clear image of us doing our job as patriots, getting the um, the news out, the truth out, um, and combating the lies of the mainstream media. So that tells me that we're having a lot of success in that area. I, I um, always comment on the news articles. You know, that, that it generally does okay, but there's a lot of bigger accounts that comment under it, calling out their bullshit, that will most of the time get more likes and more retweets than the original post. Mm -hmm. right? And those things make a difference. And that's why I'm, like, I've been seeing a lot of this going around. I'm not against uh, joining Parler. Um, go join it, have a backup account there. But that's kind of what they want us to do. They want us to kind of self-censor and move to other platforms. They don't want us on these bigger platforms because then they don't get called out. Um, and then they don't, you know, they have to find an excuse to ban or censor some of us. And it's like if the majority of us keeping that guidelines and still call out their shit, you know, it makes it hard for them and difficult for them. That's why I, I won't be spending the majority of my time there. Oh, right, right. So I set up my account on Parler and it's the same handle, just so people know, it's Corey's Diggs um, back in 2018 because I knew there would come a day where I could potentially get booted from Twitter. But I will always stay in the fight on Twitter. Yeah. So I'm going to, you know, I'm going to post my reports over on um, Parler as well. Um, you know, and I'm going to check in there from time to time, but I'm going to keep my main battle over on Twitter and hopefully they don't boot me. But should they at least, you know, I'm, I'm set up over there. Mm. So it's a good I've idea been, to have an account over there. I, I've been getting a little bit more ballsy lately too. So I wouldn't be surprised if it bans in on me. <laughs> I've been calling out a lot of shit. <laughs> I, try, I try to ride that line very carefully. I it's think a, we all, it's a good all plan. Do. It's a good plan to diversify and not um, have all of your eggs in one basket. So having an account over at Parlor, I need to set that up. Um, and I'll probably announce that, I guess, maybe next week if I do. Um, but, uh, like, because they are censoring us even more. I think Carpe Donctum, they, that's a, a major memer. They got mm -hmm. uh, they got kicked off permanently off Twitter this week. Katie Hopkins um, just did, too. Yeah, Katie Hopkins as well. Yep, she's over on Parlor now. Every Anyone who gets kicked off basically hops over there, so... Mm. You know, and some people have long had their accounts over there as well, just, you know, kind of in preparation for this. <laughs> it's so sad. Right. But you know what's what's a good indicator of how we're having success and breaking through the ma mainstream news lies is a lot of these um, Patriot accounts that debunk the mainstream news, they have way more followers than some of these blue check marks, you know, journalists, so-called journalists. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Yep. So I just, I wanted to share something real quick. So I talked with a friend um, yesterday who I have not talked with in quite a while. And uh, I've, I've known her for years. And she's out in California. And it was really interesting because she is, a, she's always been a liberal Democrat, but she's also doesn't overly involve herself in politics. She's a very spiritual person. And so she, she sees through what's going on right now. She sees the game with the COVID and the masks and the protests and the rioters. And, and she says, I'll tell you what, they are not going to force me to take that vaccine. And they are not putting some tracking device in me. So the funny thing is, though, is so she's, she's you know, been a liberal Democrat, but her husband is conservative. So I was telling her what I've been doing. And she says, oh, you have to send me your website. 
<clears throat> because my husband would love it. And I said, now that's respect and that's love. You know, when two people can have the differing opinions there and, and still want to share information with them that they know they'll find of interest, you know. And, and I told her, you know, I primarily cover agendas that affect all humanity. It's not really left or right, but that being, you know, there's corruption on both sides. But that being said, most of these agendas are pushed by the Democrats. So needless to say, she, I sent her the website and she shared it with him. And then she emailed me later and said, we absolutely, we love your website. We both just subscribed. So I just thought that was really cool. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. yeah pe people waking up. I love it when if, when there are those level-headed um, Democrats. Well, you, you don't come across them very often lately, right. especially, but <laughs> mm -hmm. who are at least willing to listen and also who are not going to stoop to that level of just name-calling and, uh, you know, dirty dirty tricks um, that right. we see time and time again, but just have a conversation and be willing to listen. Right. Absolutely. So then we also have um, some more patriots fighting back in uh, Seattle. Did you guys see the news? So we have yeah. the, uh, by the autonomous zone that's been shut down and, you know, obviously affected residents and businesses there, which, these people could care less about Two these people. people have been shot. What's that? Two people have been shot there. So. I know. And actually, I think three and then one, one died, right? I think so, yeah. Yeah. And now, oh, yeah. And now the one <laughs> wants to sue because no police showed up to help them. <laughs> these these people are unbelievable. <laughs> You're in a zone that's against police. So anyways... Um, so a tattoo parlor, auto repair shop, and property management firm are suing because, you know, over con their constitutional and other legal rights of the plaintiffs, you have the businesses, the employees, and the residents in and around CHOP, CHAZ, whatever you want to call it. So Seattle allowed this entire city neighborhood to be overrun with no police, no fire and emergency health services, and it was inaccessible to most of the public. Not to mention the destruction they did. I mean, they remember that day when they tried to set the one on fire? The I think it was the, wasn't it the auto repair shop, I think? Yeah. Or maybe it, was, it was one of those shops they tried to set it on fire. Well, the owner was able to put it out, and then one of the um, arsonists like drew a knife on his son and well then the Chaz team came over and you know managed to break <laughs> Chaz it up team. But, <laughs> but they tried calling 911 and like got no response I mean that's just wow so anyway they are seeking damages for lost uh, lost business property damage and deprivation of their property rights as well as the restoration of full public access and they're, they are demanding that the mayor's office provide a timeline by Friday for clearing out the protest and returning police, or they will ask the court for an immediate order that full public access be restored. Good. So this is how we fight back. 
Good. Yes, that's awesome because, I mean, this uh, this mayor and the governor, it's ridiculous what they've gotten away with calling this just like a summer of love, peaceful yep. protest. It's beautiful what they're doing. Oh, come on. And it's she been... visited the gardens. Oh, look at these beautiful gardens they're working on. Meanwhile, they're trying to burn businesses and they've done graffiti and destroyed all the streets. These people provided them porta potties and blockades to block the public vehicles from coming through there. Unbelievable! It's, it's unbelievable! It's just—it's—it's it's a clown world. I mean, if 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 people can't see how deep state they are, <laughs> the Democrats in full swing. This is what they want. Oh, this is what they'll pander to anyway. Right. To get the right. vote. It's been one heck of a journey, hasn't it? <laughs> it has. Such a wild year. It has. Well, looks like people are fighting back. Patriots are fed up. I mean, you can see it, you know, with Trump opening up the rallies again, getting back to the rallies. You know, that June 20th Trump rally in Tulsa was a huge success to, despite all of the organized opposition. I mean, we heard reports over, you know, a million people ticket requests for that rally to which you know AOC later claimed many were from her little zoomer TikTok army but the stadium did fill up it was about maybe 75 80% wouldn't you say it was still good it was it, it's still a good turnout considering what's going on at the moment i mean right. you've got protesters going on you've got these crazy uh, riders you've got these crazy far leftists you know, threatening people at rallies and stuff. Plus, you still have COVID going on. It's uh, all it's, about intimidation. It's hmm. all about intimidation and trying to control people through fear. Right. So they wanted to claim credit for the Zoom, you know, the Zoomers requesting tickets. In actuality, you know, the reports of the on the ground showed that there were thousands of people that were ticket holders that were unable to get past barricades because protesters. So it wasn't that there wasn't there weren't enough people interested in coming to the rally. It's actually that they got blocked off from being able to get into the rally. Not to and, mention the millions of us sitting home watching. I forget how many millions that came yes. to, but it was quite a bit. Yeah, it was a lot. Yes. And 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 I've I've seen a lot of comments like under things saying, Oh, people don't realize how many of us watch just to like take the piss. And I'm like you guys can't sit through one minute of Trump, more or less two hours of him. Guys, right? listen, <laughs> Who are you kidding? It was, it was the largest audience for a Saturday night in Fox News's history. It had 7.7 .7 million on Fox alone. And wow. online views were larger than that at around 10 million views last time I checked. It may have gone up because people go back and watch it. Right. So there's no comparison. I mean, if you at the the people who are galvanized to to vote for for Trump versus Biden there's zero comparison for bunker Biden and so they're trying to downplay this like oh look it wasn't it wasn't a packed rally no it was actually really successful considering the organized opposition against it but that's not even the real story the real story is the views online and on tv were massive so uh, yeah that is patriots getting fed up 
This is what we need to see, patriots fighting back despite all the organized opposition of the radical left, despite the fear-mongering of riots and pandemics. Patriots are sick of it and they're tired of living under this like oppressive socialist dystopian version of America that they've created. And we're taking a stand and we damn well better because if we don't get our country back now, we may never get it back. Yeah, preach, right. sister. <laughs> she done a little right. finger clap there at the end. And seriously, <laughs> you know what? Everyone really needs to, um, you need to keep getting other people to register to vote, make sure people are getting out there and voting, and pay close attention to your local officials that are up for re-election. All of them. All of them in your local area and in your state. Um, a lot of people, you know, don't even know the names. They don't even know who their mayor is or city councilman is or police chief or this or that. They don't even know who they are. So it's really important right now because if you do your own homework and you get out there and vote, and I've said this a few times, I know, but I'm going to say it again because money, money always seems to be a a huge factor in this for campaigning. But if people would just take the initiative to do the research and make sure they're there to vote, they wouldn't even have to do that much campaigning. You know, I mean, it's important to do. We need to know who these people are. We need to hear it from their own mouths and what, what it is they plan to do. But obviously the, the, you know, we already know Soros has been funding all kinds of local level officials. I mean, these, these people have plans. So, so don't just assume this is in the bag. I mean, I have a very good, good feeling about this, but don't just assume that. These people are devious. They are very manipulative. We already see what they're trying to do with, you know, the mail-in ballots and whatnot. So everyone needs to just just keep pushing. What are, what are we in here? We're almost at July. So we got, wow, like four and a half, five months left of this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's still it's still a while. <laughs> and what a journey! What a journey yeah. it's been. Uh, they it's won't been... they won't stop after that. But guess uh, what? If and when, and I and I and I really want to just say when Trump is reelected, we have four years of him not needing to worry about them trying to portray him as a dictator so much you know i feel like a lot more could get accomplished in the second term here don't you oh, guys 100 yeah. percent. Uh, yeah, I've, I've always said he needed eight he needed eight to even uh, even create some sort of difference in what we've been dealing with for the last 50 60 years and beyond yeah 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 man can you believe it's been almost Four years. I think I jumped on um, right after right after he was elected in like December 2016. I think is when I jumped on uh, Twitter. <laughs> How about you guys? <laughs> uh, late, late, late 2017. I was. Okay. I think it was January 2017. Yeah. Yeah. It was like we all knew it. We could all see what was coming. We could feel the shift, and it. You know, it's about so much more than. Uh, everything we're seeing going on and all these little distractions and everything people are getting hung up on. And I think everyone needs to take a step back and kind of look at this on a global scale and see all the shifts they're trying to make. I mean, ultimately in the end, 
there are going to be some changes we're going to have to adapt to. I'm not saying whether those are good or bad. I'm just saying, obviously, certain things are starting to change. But also with that, there's a lot of powerful things changing. And there's there's a big ascension process going on right now. This is a big spiritual war. So, so there's a lot of layers to this. And, and it can be real easy to get hung up on the smaller things and the smaller events and feel defeated and deflated, you know? Well, on, on a global scale, you are seeing a lot of people, you'd say even the majority of people, waking up to what's been happening in the world o- o- over the last 20, 30 years. Mm-hmm. Um, you've you, Poland, Hungary, they're strict nationalists now with Viktor Orban in charge there, nationalist leader. Uh, Italy's gone to the nationalist route. Australia with Morrison, who is more conservative. Uh, it's happening all around the world. Uh, Boris Johnson mm-hmm. in the UK, right? You, you see this huge push to um, uh, unite one's country again instead of this global new world order that that has been pushed for so many years. Right. And fooled so many people. Right. Oh, but yeah. it's an overdrive now. And they're so desperate that it's like becoming really obvious. Like they were always working kind of underground, behind the scenes, behind the curtain. And now they're just like, nope, center stage. This is our ugly, ugly face. This is the ugly face of the deep state New World Order just shoving it down our throats. And people are forced now to see it for what it really is and make a decision and and take a stand on it. And uh, so, yeah, it is waking up a lot of people. It's it's so the other day I was, you know, and I've I've brought up the uh, 2030 agenda to my dad before, but I was talking with him about it the other day and I said, honestly, you really... You really need to look into it and just see because they don't hide it. I mean, it's every foundation, organization, UN website, they all talk about it. This is not a hidden thing. You just have to you have to look at the industries and the economics and what it is they're trying to do. And it's very easy to see, oh, okay, they're trying to create this one world governance where they completely control all of us and um, you know, whether it's a health chip or a money chip, and they now control all of our finances through digital currency and yada, 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 all these different things. So he looked it up, you know, and he the next day he says, wow, there's a lot of information out there on that. <laughs> I said, yes, there is. He's like, wow, I mean, that's that's some really kind of scary stuff there. And he's like, I can see what they're doing. I said, yep. So then a few days go by, and he tells me he he called a buddy of his, and uh, tells him to look it up. And so then he calls him back. He says, oh, my God, this is a lot of stuff to read, but this all makes sense. And and his buddy, who's who's very much, you know, Republican and sees, you know, sees a lot of the, the games going on here, unfortunately has a son in in I believe he's in college, you know, and he's completely brainwashed and it's breaking his heart because he can't get through to him. And and it's it's this indoctrination in the schools and big time in the colleges but also you know they they start they start with at hitting them young so, so just I, the whole I, schooling thing I, I i always said the ivory tower fell about 20 years ago hmm 
right? And since yeah. that time, all they've been doing is churning out propaganda and indoctrination on these children to create their, their army. Mm-hmm. Oh, There's yeah. hope. There's hope. I mean, I feel like I was one of those kids. I was indoctrinated. I was a college kid, totally Democrat, uh, indoctrinated. Shoot, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give, I'm gonna give it to you straight. You guys want to know who I first voted for? This is gonna <laughs> give you, show oh, you no. my age. Oh no! <laughs> I voted for Al Gore. That's what Al I was gonna Gore. say. You know, I was gonna say that. I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> I would have bet my ass on that. I knew it. Yeah. yeah. It's come a long way. I mean, everybody's got a process to go through. I still have hope for some of these kids that are coming out of college totally indoctrinated to see the world in a certain way. There's there's still hope for them to wake up. So, yeah. Well, there is still some conservative colleges, and they're not the big ones, but there's still a lot of Christian schools and stuff like that are really the last bastion. Of hope, I see a lot of these kids coming through. So. Hmm. I think indoctrination bleeds through the entire education system. Yeah, oh, but, I, I don't disagree with you. Yeah, it's got to be changed. Uh, but you oh. know, in these universities, like I had a friend who was sending me pictures out of uh, Harvard one day, and and there's just like posters and flyers all over and stuff resist you know i mean this is this is what they do in these colleges they push all their agendas and they rally them to go out and protest for their causes and they build their little armies to go march and that's what they do they they use human beings across the board of all races and all ages hmm. well it's the same as berkeley they have lenin posters everywhere it's just mm. Yeah, but you know what? We've been doing really good. I mean, everyone's been been we we've seen some some good changes. It's been a hell of a battle. Um, it's still going to be a hell of a battle. I mean, it's it is not over. It's a long way to go. Oh yeah, it's going to be ongoing for the rest of our lives. <laughs> yeah, we just need to get, we need to get into this mindset that freedom isn't free. And that we have, to free. Yeah. <laughs> we have to keep fighting for it if we want to preserve it um, and not take it for granted and get lazy. Because I think for a long time, you know, maybe we did. Um, and it's yeah. really a, a lot of people are waking up to that fact is that, you know, y you can't take it for granted. Otherwise, it's going to be taken from you. And uh, yeah. that's what I see. That's what I'm encouraged by is that a lot of patriots are waking up to that. A lot of patri patriots have had enough and are standing up to that and fighting back. So, Absolutely. 100%. Happy just, one year anniversary, guys. I definitely could not have gotten here without you guys. That's for sure. These uh, two always have my back. Thanks. Same. Same. I mean, like, I really really lean on you guys and I know that we all do that like we lean on each other that's why we're here that's why we're doing this podcast is you know so you guys have this feeling this sense of community um, mm -hmm. you know like you're, you're having this conversation with us and that we're you know we're in this together so yeah it's, it's yeah, a good and building communities is going to become very important in the future just going to tell you right now people people really I know everyone likes their privacy. I especially love my privacy, but it is important to know people in your community, on your block, you know, in your neighborhood, in your city, and and 
support one another and help one another and get back to that whole community mindset. It's kind of like, you know, they broke apart the family unit. That was their, that's been their intention for decades is to break apart the family unit. Yeah. The nuclear family was break, number one. They break apart the communities and they want everyone to be separated and segregated and divided so that they can control you more easily because it's all about the numbers. So we have the numbers, but we need to meld those numbers, you know, together again and to, unite again. Need to galvanize together. That's right. Mm-hmm. There we go. But right. a lot of winning, a lot of a lot of uh, people, patriots fighting back and seeing what's at stake. And so it's really encouraging. I want you guys to all know that we're with you in this fight and we're we're not going anywhere. So, happy one-year anniversary, guys. Yay. <laughs> you ready to wrap? Yeah, let's wrap. Ready to wrap. All right. Well, thanks for joining us here on the special one-year anniversary episode of Dig It with speaker, myself, The Sharp Edge, and Corey Lynn of Corey's Digs. Please be sure to share this podcast. We are on Google Play, iHeartRadio, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, and, of course, YouTube. We'll see you back next time right here on Dig It. Keep fighting. Love you all.